Ah, I hear a little hum, Joe. Uh, should I try plugging? Yeah, that's good. All right. So, um, good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Yes, I'm kind of holding the neck still because it's still complaining. The neck complains in a loud uh, voice called pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I'm being mindful of that while we speak. But I'm, in fact, I still have the time to talk with you. And so I'm glad to see you. I really am. I'm <laughs> neck or no neck, I'm really glad to see you, Joe. Yeah, I'm really happy to see you, too. I, I miss talking to you. So. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And so uh, you have a sutta question. Yes, I do. Out uh, of the Samyutta Nikaya. Yes, and it's called okay. the Upanisa Sutta, and uh, it had a sequence of the Paticca Samupada that is extended, called mm-hmm. the Lokutara Paticca Samupada. And mm-hmm. uh, ah, so, look at that word Lokutara for just a minute. Okay. Okay, so that means uh, that what we're going to do is we're basically going to take Paticca Samupada in reverse order, starting with Dukkha. And looking at it as the conditionality that when this condition fades, that doesn't happen anymore. So as we reverse the action of that, the next sequence before that begins to change. Now, some of the items that you'll see in this list have nothing to do with specifically items of the stages of Paticca Samapada, but they do have objects of jhana within them. Okay. That, that, for instance, that sukha is a uh, prerequisite for uh, pity. That's why they would have in that order from the pity back to the sukha, is because okay. that's the order that it actually occurs normally in the mind anyway. Okay. Okay, so let's go with it. What's your question now? Or, or... Yeah, so my, my question is, so it, it goes from... Uh, it has all these things that it says is a supporting condition, and it says uh, shad, Shadha has as a supporting condition. No, uh, not Shadha, it's Shada. 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 And it has almost an R to it, and in fact, it is in the Sanskrit language, it is Shrada because it's got a Shraddha. hard R. Yeah, I have but heard it, that word Shrada before. It, okay, <laughs> and in the Pali, it is a very soft R. Coming to okay. be Shraddha or Shraddha. Okay. Okay. And it says that it has uh, as a supporting condition uh, Dukkha. Um, and before that one, uh, joy Joy is what they list as the supporting, has, um, has Shraddha. Okay, so now what you're condition. saying then is, is that there's a, some sort of sequence of Dukkha, Shraddha, Joy. Yeah, and it's but it's not but it's pamoja, and I've never heard this word pamoja before before pity, um, and I'm just curious what the differentiating factor of pamoja is. Uh, I also saw some translation where they translate it more as like kind of like tranquility, kind of. Uh, All right, um, yeah. you can also see it as um, part of satisfaction. That in fact, in the Pali language, there is a whole lot of different words for uh, those kind of items. Nande and Rato, like in Damarato, and Nande and uh, uh, Sukha. 
Okay, and uh, often when we're talking about pleasures, we have to put in the distinction between sensual pleasures, which are the pleasures associated, for instance, in watching Hoochie Gucci or uh, going to the brothel or getting drunk or getting into a fist fight, you know, those kind of entertainments of sensual pleasure are not the same as the actual mental pleasure that we're seeking when we behave that way. That we're actually, it's actually what's going on is that we're acting ignorantly to get the feelings that we want to have, that if we had wisdom, we could get those feelings directly right. without having to go to do all of those things. And so we can take the word sensual pleasure and, and cut it up to be there's a distinction between the sensuality or the doing or the acting of it versus the actual feeling underneath of the feelings of pleasure. So now let's look at pleasure for a minute and begin to dissect that. And what we'll see is various components of pleasure have to do specifically with satisfaction, safety, security, comfort. Okay, pomoja is more of the word satisfaction that we would have in the English language. Okay. Okay. Now let's look at that first sequence of events from dukkha to, uh, to shraddha to Pomoja. Yeah, that's an important quality. But we still remember that we're actually w working through the Paticca Samapada backwards. Right. It actually, so actually, it just to, just so that you know, in the sutta, it actually, I mean, it lists it from like the, the start and then goes, and then goes all the way down to ignorance as the supporting condition. But it just says it in a way where it's like, what has this as a supporting condition? So uh, that means but, that in that regard, that this sutta is doing it both in forward and reverse order. And at the beginning of the sutta, it did it in the forward order that started with um, a jiva, not knowing or knowing not, and sankara, and then vinya, and then namarupa. You got it? Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. From, from Nama Rupa, you have Salayatana, and from the Salayatana, you have uh, Pasa contact, and from Pasa, you have Vedana, and from Vedana, you have Tanha, and then Upadana, and then actually the uh, understanding of is that our grasping and clinging and thoughts about that actually give rise to the bad feeling states that we have, which are the right. woeful states. And those woeful states that we become, that's the becoming or the birth, and that the woeful state itself and the one who is in the woeful state, those two combinations create the dissatisfaction. There is such a thing as a woeful state in and of itself, but if you're not in it, then it's not your woeful state. Right. You got that. OK. And so if we are in the woeful state, that that means that we're in that state of dissatisfaction, which is the dukkha. Right. OK, so when we say cause and effect, we may not be looking at it. And uh, uh, in fact, our mentality of cause and effect is often done with dominoes. That this domino falls on that domino and just a split second, but actually a split second later, that domino will start to fall. And then a split second after that, it hits the next domino. And so after a couple of split seconds of falling and striking and falling and striking, you get this series of events in there. But teacher Samapada is not exactly like that. That's why we have to understand the difference between the word conditioning versus 
causation. Okay. Okay. That in fact, things can condition one another. And if they do, then how do you explain it? How do you explain that hydrogen conditions oxygen to make water and then say, but oxygen conditions hydrogen to make water? Right. So they're working okay. together at the exact same time. Exactly the same thing and, uh, and two different ways of looking at it. But if we're going to talk about hydrogen and oxygen, we're trying to use an ancient language like poly to describe this with very limited kind of language that they have, like words like causation and conditioning. Okay, and in English, we go so far as to make it even worse by translating Paticca from the word causing and conditioning into just causation, and then don't they forget about the conditioning aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I never get a, a, a aware of that. So when Dukkha then is a conditioning agent for faith, how can that possibly be? I mean, so, just think about it in your own mind. How can that connection be made? So that that was interesting. And I, I kind of thought, well, it must be from the um, the Four Noble Truths that, you know, once you see into the First Noble Truth, uh, then, uh, you know, then that naturally leads to trying to ah, figure out a way yes. out of it. <laughs> you got it. Exactly. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Which means that it's not dukkha itself that causes strata. That makes no sense. But when your dukkha is, uh, let us say, conditioned by wisdom, aha, I see the dukkha. When the first noble truth comes into play, that's when we can say that this dukkha that I now see leads to a strong desire to get out of it. And that strong desire to get out of it begins to get some success to where you can show that, in fact, I can get out of it. You hear this whole path in there, right in this one little statement, how can Dukkha condition Shraddha? The answer is, is because this is the way that the mind operates. So the very basic beginner is going to stop dealing with his Dukkha so much and start dealing with his, um, let us say, <clears throat> competence that he can come out of it. If he can come out of it now, he can come out of it next time. Right. This, in fact, is the Buddha's... <laughs> this is so hilarious. It fits together so well. This is the Buddha's very first knowledge. In his seven steps of knowledge, this is the first one, is to recognize no matter how much dukkha there is, I can get out of it. That one's uh, Sutta 48, right? In the... Precisely so. Yes. yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. It's called the Consambian Sutta. Mm -hmm. And so I like I like that one. I saw a video, another video with yours. So I'm kind of cheating that I recently saw a video <laughs> you where you were talking about that. But <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. That's not cheating. It's knowledge and learning. I congratulate right. you for knowledge. When you call it cheating, that you know is like, where is that coming from? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> You caught me. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for is to right. see things in a friendly way and tell the truth about it. That's right. the whole point. Yeah. Exactly. So well, I, re I really liked that too. I, I, you made a point in that video where you were like, everybody on Reddit should be all over this if they if they want to figure out stream entry. And I was like, oh, it lays it all out right there. It's perfect. It's a good one. <laughs> Maybe you should publish that on Reddit. 
Mm, that's true. <laughs> that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. That'd be helpful. Yeah. I think that there's a, there's a group on Reddit called Stream Entry. That may be the right place to put that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that things. I think they've been slapped with that one before and they ran away. Oh, I don't want to okay. know about it. Yeah, because everybody's got their own ideas, you see, about what soda pine is because it, right. it was never laid out for them. So anyway, getting back to the dukkha is the creation of or is the let us call it this way. The dukkha is the base for having confidence that you can come out of it. If you cannot see any dukkha, but you still feel miserable, then you've got no chance of coming out. So right. the very understanding of the first wake-up call into dukkha is the coming to the conclusion that first knowledge is, is that, hey, I can come out of it. Okay. An example is one of our friends, Alex, he hasn't figured that out yet. He hasn't seen the dukkha as dukkha that he can actually say, I can get out of this. Well, he'll okay. see it eventually. So, uh -huh. <laughs> so you can see how the Kansambian Sutta and this particular one in the uh, in the Paticca Samuppada, and later in the literature in the Vasudhimaga, where it's pointed out the sixteen stages of insight. That actually, I'm talking about step ten, eleven, and twelve right now. Okay, isn't that I'm interesting? Not... Also. I'm not very familiar with the Vasudhi okay. Maga. In the Vasudhi, well, in the 16 stages of insight, which is one of the key documents for the Mahasi group. I mean, they really, really just, I mean, they don't just drool. They get on their knees and, and bow to this thing. <laughs> and, and this is where the whole concept of the dark night of the soul comes from. Oh, is this the one, is this the part of it where it's the, uh, um, it has, I can't remember the name of it, but it has some sort of negative connotation. It has a bunch of stages that you, that you go through. I'll, and it's I'll like the stage, them of, for you. stage of fear and then the stage of like. That's number yeah. six. Okay. Fearfulness. Uh, then the next one is misery. The next one is disgust and then despair. And then a strong longing to get out. That strong longing to get out is now the seed of the Shraddha. Right. And here the Mahasi method spent four steps out of 16. It must be a pretty important part, this, this first thing. Right. But can you come out of the dukkha into the Shraddha? Right. Which is the right attitude. I can clean this mess up. Doesn't matter how messy it is. I right. can deal with this. No matter what happens, that I'm going to be no okay. No matter what happens, I'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. So, isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Now, that next one is, is that once we take this faith, or once we take this, and it's not really faith, because in fact, faith itself has to do with believing in something, either weakly or strongly, with absolutely no evidence at all. Here, it's not faith. Here, this is confidence based upon seeing the cause and effect relationships as things go by. Right. And in fact, if you think about it like this, the one who is at this point is the one who understands Paticca Samuppada in detail already. 
And that's why he can say, I can take the faith to put this thing in reverse gear and get out of it is because I know the sequence of events. I've seen them before and I've seen how I wind up myself in Japan. I know that I can stop it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I see the, I see the clinging and yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So now that we have that, uh aha, I can stop this. That's what then brings on that satisfaction of the third stage. The, how did you pronounce the word? Uh, uh, po, uh, Pomoja. Po, Pomoja, right. Or po, Pomoja. I, I mean, I don't know. It's P-A-M-O-J-J-A. Okay. Well, now here's something that's really brilliant. Now that I look at that word, you have the prefix of po, and then you have the word mojo. Have okay. you ever heard of the word mojo before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of says it all. Okay. Okay. So the building of the Shraddha gives us mojo, and that mojo or the pro mojo, that's very interesting about language like that. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I've seen that before. And when the first time I saw it, it kind of blew me away. I said, Did you find mojo in the poly? <laughs> and it means the same thing. Wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> yes, okay. So, but I first listened to the Poe and didn't look at the whole whole word itself, to where Poe is just kind of a, a precept, a, a particle to it. Um, so, the Promojo, I think that that's one of the reasons why uh, the translations are so sloppy about this, is because we don't look at the root of the word to see where where they're coming from for it. But you can see actually now the sequence of events. It's like, let's say the farmer is walking down the trail and right in front of him is a cow pie that is so big that is actually interesting. But one thing's for sure about that cow pie that the farmer is not going to go step in it. (laughs) But he's interested enough to look at it. Right, right. Okay, and not only that, but he's interested to look at it enough and feeling safe about it. That he's not about to step in this thing. Why should I be afraid of a cow pie? Right. And I mean, I, I, I've had animals before. I, I'm a farmer. And so and what ends up happening is you're like, oh, does the animal have worms? Like you kind of like poke with a stick, maybe. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Go and check see. this thing out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you definitely don't step in it. <laughs> but you definitely don't wipe it all over you. Right. You okay. don't wallow in it. Right. All right. So because why? Because we recognize cow pie as cow pie. Right. What if we couldn't tell the difference between cow pie and not cow pie? But you do feel the effects of having cow pie all over your boots and all over your hands. But you can't see a cow pie before you step in it. Right. Okay. But now we can. And now we're far enough along the path that we've got some mojo going. So we can actually poke at that dukkha with some interest, some curiosity. Got to put some skin in the game in a way. Which is what we talk about in our own practice. So now we're thinking about, wait a minute, we're not talking about a great big event or a series of events in one's life. We're talking about this very moment, this second. Right. Is this a cow pie or what? 
feels pretty wholesome right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It says, wow, even if it's a cow pie, at least it's a wholesome cow pie because I can see it clearly. Right. Ah, that's where we're coming from. So we can see the power of the sutta right there in the very beginning. So from step one, dukkha, to two, shraddha, to three, mojo. What's the right. next step that he's got there? Uh, Pitsy. All right. Pity is the congratulations or the wow, which is the full-blown uh, sutta number 48, that he knows, and that he knows that he knows. This is also part of the Eightfold Noble Path, which is Sama Sankapa, right knowing or right being able to see. You've seen it enough and seen it enough and recognized Dukkha so well that you know it when you see it. Sama Sankapa, is that, is there another translation for that besides right knowing? Is it, uh, Actually, or? there is two words that are translated in, uh, from the Pali into the English that only partially point at it. And most of the students hear the word right thinking. Right. And okay. A, and another one will use the word right intention. Right. Yeah. Right intention, right, right attitude. Right. Attitude is the word yeah. that I use, but we could do better than that. We can say we're right mojo. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually in the poly. And that right mojo then leads to the sense of elation. Like, wow, I really do have this thing bagged. Okay. Okay, that's the pity. And that pity is that part which now goes into the first jhana because as the practitioner has been practicing and no longer having dukkha in his mind and he gains that um, sense of uh, congratulations going, he begins to really feel that sense of congratulations. Okay. So actually now we're not talking about Paticca Samuppada so much anymore as we're talking about the sequence of events of Anapanasati that lead one into jhana, which in the fruit of the first jhana is this pity that arises. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I, I also saw that shifting as I was reading it. it. It seemed to, you know, kind of have a feeling of like some of the factors of the uh, seven factors of awakening there and that sort of sequence of events also. Exactly uh, so. There. So. And so these are various techniques or various languages for talk about a similar process that happens within the human mind. Okay. And you can see how the process is directly tied to our Anapanasati practice, it's directly tied to our ability to get into a good state, it's directly uh, related to actually the sequence of events of how the mind works, most specifically of how it gets into dukkha, and so now we're talking about how to get back out of it. Right. And by the time we've gotten that number four, that pity, that's the time when we've actually arrived at the first jhana. Right. And so now, uh, in that sequence of events, we can say it's time to sort of let uh, the pity be the big dude in the room. Okay. Okay. How good can I feel? <laughs> how good can I let myself feel? How on top of my own world, how successful at dealing with by sitting on top of my own pile of shit? That's, I mean, that's how great can we actually feel? <laughs> We've been able to talk ourselves into it. Let's enjoy the heck out of it, okay? But after a while of doing that, we can finally stop jumping around and relax. Yeah. 
Okay. You could see that sequence out on the football field that when the star player, the quarterback, makes a touchdown, what does he do? He dances so, and he raises his <clears throat> arm and the crowd goes wild and they do the same thing in the stands. How long do they do that? Just for a little while. And then they right. sort of 10 maybe, seconds, yeah. 15 seconds. Some will do it longer than that, but by 15 or 20 seconds, most people are finished with that. They're ready now for the sukkah, the relaxation. Wow, we can relax for now. Our team is ahead. Right. So okay. in, in this list, it gives Pitti and then it gives Pisati uh, after that uh, tranquility before getting to the sukkah. That's very interesting. <laughs> And that also points out to be an interesting point as to then how do we define these poly words? Because in some places, the order is in reverse. Okay. Which now, if the order is in reverse, and yet it's quite acceptable to those people who spoke that language, they must understand the relationship with those words so that they can be interrelated. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That you can put your focus on one of those factors uh, and yeah, and minimize one of the other ones or mm -hmm. focus more on one of them. Right. But in the English language, which is so what they call in a way scientific, which another way is so critical and so cut and dried, it can only be this and not that. And we've already defined what these words mean. Therefore, something's wrong here because the words are backwards. No. <laughs> The words being backwards doesn't mean <laughs> there is something wrong. <laughs> but it does mean that that gives us an opportunity to see the relationships between these words. Right. So in the Pali, then that next one is going to be with the root word of Paso. Right. You can see the word P-A-S-S -S in there someplace. Yes. Okay, which means passive or relaxed. So is this the relaxation that finally comes with full-blown equanimity, or is this merely stage four of Anapanasati, where part of the process of jhana is, is that we relax? Right. That's where we look at it. And so we don't necessarily have to translate this as tranquility, which is the way that... Uh, 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 relaxation is translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi, mm -hmm. but also the word uh, tranquility is used for the upeka, which is the next thing down the way. But right. In fact, you could yeah. say that getting into the first jhana is when you develop the pity. Then the second jhana is full-blown pity. Mm -hmm. The third jhana then is full-blown sukha. And then the fourth jhana would be the full-blown upeka. How right. relaxed can you actually get to the point that you can not only stop uh, the thoughts, but you can stop and control the feelings. And you stop and control the feelings because you know you can stop and control the perceptional process. Okay, so this is actually in other sutras. Now I'm referencing Sutta 111. Okay, where the end of it is by being able to control the, the perception, it brings feelings to an end. We're not creating anything that will contact us. How relaxed is that? 
It sounds like a good state to be in if you have some neck pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just hold still and just... This breath is good. <laughs> so, uh, this is why you would find that word pasa there, is that it is actually pointing to that that fourth state of Anapanasati and the first jhana are related, and in some suttas in the Andhagatara Nikaya, pasa or relaxation and tranquility of the body is an aspect of the first jhana. Which means then that it's not so much jumping around and yelling and screaming in it that even that is relaxed down to where you can feel that way, but you don't have to jump around to show it. Okay, so now the next step is from uh, uh, the Pasa into uh, Sukha, right? right. Yeah. Okay, so that's the hallmark then of the third jhana. The Sukha is a sense of well-being, a sense of, I do have this under control. Not a, I can handle this, but more of, this is it. <laughs> uh, the analogy in the suttas is, uh, out of 119, there's a sequence on the suttas uh, in the series of the jhana that have analogies. The first one has the analogy of uh, the the bathsman taking his fingers and dumping them in the water and sprinkling, and we can see that is that we're sprinkling joy on a dry mind. Okay. Okay. That we're sprinkling uh, gladdening thoughts, and that we continue to sprinkle until it gets like a ball of dough, right. to where the dough is exercised and moved around and completely inspected to make sure that there's no dry places, there's no ridges where the um, bath powder or the uh, the flour will go, that this is all dough. Right. That the water is thoroughly mixed in there. So that's the first jhana. The second jhana is imagine that now that that uh, ball of dough or the human body, as it were, was now not just thoroughly saturated with joy and pleasure, but that was immersed into a pond that had stratas of temperature that the surface is warm. But deep down is going to be a string or an artesian well that's bubbling up, not air in the water, but it is very turbulent water. And now the swimmer goes down to that, and now he's into that turbulence. It's got a mixture of warm and hot, a mixture of this big, and it's like all over, and it and it gives some gushy feelings. It gives the sense of um, elation, uh, weightlessness a bit, uh, tingling. Uh, the it's called also kundalini. It's also called all kinds of things, and it can be experienced as shivering. Right. And then, in fact, this is one of the qualities of those practitioners who practice in very, very cold weather is the cold weather helps that pity or that uh, those, wow, those feelings. That's really interesting that you mentioned that, because sometimes I have noticed that in the cold. I'm, I'm in a cold climate and I've noticed that. And I thought, well, that's just a natural reaction to the to the. It cold. certainly is. And now yeah. we know how to control it. <laughs> right. Marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because it's, it's one of those things that I, I thought that oh, that's just something that I noticed. And I, yeah, but that's universal. <laughs> it's universal. Precisely. Precisely so.
And we can also talk ourselves into shivering with joy. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing. That's exactly what we're talking about. And that shivering is like being in that uh, in that water of turbulence. That everything just is jumping around all over the yeah. place. Okay. Yeah, it's such a similar feeling that sometimes my mind is is it plays tricks on me, and it's like, wait, wait a minute, like, uh, you know, most of the time I just end up saying, never mind, it, it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> but that's anyway. exactly what a good meditation teacher will will do. He says, yeah, we'll pay close attention, see what's there, and let it pass. Never mind, everything arises and passes away. Right. Not important. Nothing is. Right. But you would not believe how many meditators are going to go around the meditation hall whispering to their buddies. I was just all over the place. You know, I had something. I had a jada or something like that. And yeah. where basically what was going on is he had a good feeling that he didn't know how to describe. Right. That, that's generally so, what kicks me out is having this thought of like, I got to tell one of my friends, my friends. Uh, <laughs> about what happened. And then that's what kicks me out of the state. You know, exactly. Isn't that interesting? And, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it is. Which means that that's going to help with the mindfulness so that next time when you start to have the thought, I got to tell my friends, you say, heck, never mind. I'm going to stay in this tub. I'm going to stay in this pool. I do not have to jump out to right. go tell a friend how good that pool is while I'm in it. <laughs> So that's then the movement from the second to the third jhana is, is that now it's like a lotus flower that's coming out of the pond or the uh, fast running stream. And, and so that means is that at this stage now the sukha takes over the pity and that we rise above all of those really great feelings that we're having to become satisfied with them. So that's the arising of the lily out of the fast running stream. And when the lily opens, it's dry, even though it came out of the mud, came out of the water, came out of the rush. Mm. When it opens up, it's empty. <laughs> There's no mm. big puddles of water in there, <laughs> muddy water. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is. So that's the analogy that the Buddha uses for going into the third jhana, which is where we are, by the way, now in the suttas in the sutta that we're talking about is this is the step then a third jhana which is also now what step five in this process or sticks but you notice now that it's not actually directly doing paticca samuppada backwards but it's rather is going through the process of the mind so what's the next point of conditioning after the sukha um okay so after the sukha comes the samadhi Ah, yes, that's the collecting together of the mind, that the mind becomes unified. Or in another way of saying, you can now begin to see exactly how the mind works. Okay, but this is already because what we've done at this step is that we've even now calmed the sukha down so that we can actually, with 100% of the mind, really inspect and pay attention to what's going on. This is the unification of the mind, that when you see the crowd inside directly, you can begin to unify them. This is why we talk about the parent and the child, is that we can actually learn that we can unify this group. We can bring it to a point of samadhi. We right. can gather these factors together. 
Right. Now, if samadhi is uh, translated incorrectly or wrongly at this point into concentration, the whole thing doesn't make much sense. Right. <laughs> but when this, you understand... In this one, he has immersion as the translation for it. But, I, oh. but I, I've, I've heard you talk about samadhi enough, so I've gotten the spiel about gathering together all of the factors together um, and mm -hmm. seeing it like that instead of seeing it like concentration. Right, that it's not a concentrated mind, it's an alert, awake mind. And that, in fact, by not spending so many mind moments in figuring out our sensory input, that means that we spend more and more and more mind moments in sensory input. So we leave off the perception part and truly begin to be here now. And how we experience the now is through the senses, all six of them. Is I have a question related to the word concentration. So often there's, uh, as a factor, called access concentration before reaching the first jhana. Is that a good translation or description, or is that also misleading? It's misleading in several different ways. Okay. Uh, the only place that it's got correct is um, access, which means then access really to samadhi or access to putting things together, which means now you've got all the pieces right there. So you've got access. And so this is a way of thinking of a good way of living one's life is to be right on the edge of first John all the time. Right. And so anytime anybody says something that might ruffle your feathers, all you need to do is take a deep breath and you're over it. You just pop right into first job. Right. And that's a good way to live one's life is to be right there on the on the ready for it. Access. But access concentration doesn't mean anything. Now, an interesting point about this is not only is it a wrong a wrong uh, translation, this whole quality is very, very late. The Buddha did not talk about access concentration. Okay. Nowhere is access concentration a prerequisite for first jhana. Okay. That the so this comes out of the Vasudhi Maga and the Moody Maga. Right, this is okay. out of the Vasudhi Maga. That what, in fact, first jhana does have as a prerequisite is freedom from the hindrances. Unwholesome thoughts, which means we have only wholesome thoughts, which means in, that's access concentration. Then access concentration in reality would be when the mind is in a wholesome state. Okay. Freedom from the hindrances is the true Freedom. access concentration. <laughs> right. That's exactly it. Why? Because now your jhana factors are very close at hand. Right. Because you've been talking yourself into them. <laughs> Okay, so back now to the fact that as we get into that, through that access concentration into the first jhana, and from the first jhana, we leapfrog into full-on experiences of how we feel. Then we go to full-on experiences, how nice it feels, rather than the full-on experience of pity, which is how good can I feel, <laughs> into how nice it does feel. Into the next level is um, into the into the fourth jhana, which is. I don't care whether it feels all that great or not, I'm great, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the point that we can begin to see 
how the mind works. We can begin to see, oh, I do have control over my feelings. And if the, and if I do have control over my feelings, then why should I kick them into gear at all? Mm. <laughs> that the whole point is that they got kicked into gear and I had no control over it. Now that I've got control over it and I really do have control over it, why should I bother feeling anything at all? And so that would be the state of the fourth jhana is just being there in bed or just sitting there with no place to go and nothing to do. And you don't even have to bother about how nice it feels. Mm. So back to the sutta, what's the next item on the list? Okay, um, the next one after that, that uh, is uh, this one I'm going to, the Pali is kind of difficult. Yata Bhutan Nadasa Nampaham. It says truly knowing and seeing. Ah, okay. Yes. Um, a good example of that would be a cell phone's camera. Mm-hmm. When photography got started back in the 1860s, the, the camera was really, really big. It had a great big plate of glass that had nitrous oxide poured on it in the dark so that when you exposed it, it would create an image because the photons would strike the nitrous uh, uh, sil- silver nitrate, sorry, silver nitrate. So. But in order to do that, it had to have a whole lot of light. Which meant if the mite was moving, it's going to cause shadows and unfocusedness. Okay. Which meant that you had to have a strong, sharp light for a short period of time with a camera that was very stable. That's exactly the analogy that we want to put here. Now that the mind is absolutely stable, we can shine a sharp spotlight on something and get a really clear image of what's going on. Okay. Okay, now let's take it fast forward to uh, modern cameras that you can get a fairly good uh, image from a cell phone because they already have electronics in there. And this is how they do it. That if the photo size is this big, they actually have pixelation this big. So that as the camera itself is shaking, the software could go in and recorrect that and keep the frame in the right place. Right? Otherwise, a cell phone would be so jerky that it would be unusable unless it too was on a tripod. And you can see how people are on the videos here. And, and when they're holding a camera, pretty soon it gets shaky. Right. All right. So imagine that if we've been holding our mind hard with uh, uh, you get over there, you get over there, you get over there and you straighten yourself out and you stop what you're doing and all that kind of stuff is going to keep that mental camera quite shaky moment by mind moment. So now we've gotten the mind down that's so quiet that even feelings are not worth being paid attention to and you have nothing but sensory input to deal with. And so you begin to see how this event on the outside is brought in. You want to try to massage it and manipulate it somehow to make sense out of it. And then that sensory perception, not the sensory object, but the sensory perception is what contacts us. 
This is all what's laid out exactly in Paticca Samapada, from the Vinaya, the Nama Rupa to the Saliata Pasa. Is that same that phrase that I've just given you? Could could okay. you say that one more time? Just to okay. clarify it. We, <laughs> we see something and then we try to make sense out of it or understand it. Right. And that is the sensory object then that we have manufactured. Okay. It's called the saliatana, and atana is actually sensual input, but saliatana is the manufactured de- input that we made from the actual raw data. Okay. Okay, so you could actually go from the issue of uh, Buddha is talking about how we manufacture information is by feeding it raw data with a computer machine called perception that has its own hard drive database of information so that it can AI its way into understanding and making sense out of the sensory data that we just received. Right. The perception is what interprets all the data. And and perception is what uh, gives us all the data. And the perception absolutely depends upon the rightness or wrongness of the sensory or the the Sankara stored collection that we have. Okay. Okay. Um, When Sankara is defined in English as compounded, stuck together thing. That points in the right direction, but it doesn't point directly at it. It misses the target. It's certainly shooting downfield in the right direction, but it misses the target. Another better explanation would be stored data or a collection of stuff. That's Mm. what it actually, Sankara, means is it's collected together a whole bunch of stuff. What is that? Your entire past. (laughs) I've heard uh, Thich Nhat refer to it sometimes as store consciousness. Uh, and he refers to us having seeds in our store consciousness uh, mm-hmm. there. Right, but he's grasping and clinging at a foreign language, trying to make sense out of it and describe it in English. Yeah. And so that's what he comes up with. Yeah. But some students will grab a hold of that and then argue with me <laughs> when we're <laughs> actually saying the same thing. Right. Yes, sense. it is stored up. It is a collection of stuff. And Mm -hmm. it directly influences our consciousness so that what we become conscious of is not the reality of the input, the data itself, is how we massage that data to come up with statistics. Right. That's it. Okay. And now we're beginning to go backwards through the dukkha, back through the the faith, and then... uh, The sequence of I can do this down to relaxation into the joy all the way down to it. So now where are we in our sequence? Okay. Um, after truly knowing and seeing it has uh, Nibida, 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 Paham, uh, disillusionment. Uh, yeah. Yes, this is what is described by most people as... Nabita. Nabita is the word, because it has it here, Nabita. Okay, let me give you various descriptions of the word Nabita. Shakespeare would say, all the world's a stage, and each one of us is an actor on that stage. 
Okay, mm -hmm. that's his Navita. He can see. Now that we have clear vision and knowledge and seeing, we can see that all that we thought was there is subject to delusion or destruction or the rotting away. In other words, who I thought I was and what I thought I saw was only my interpretation of reality, that I do not live in reality. And that's a hard conclusion for us to come to, is, right. to, is to recognize it all. What I have been looking at and been seeing is not what I've been believing. I right. have not been believing what I was seeing. I was believing whatever I thought that I was taught. And seeing is believing, right? In fact, what a better way of saying it is, is that uh, seeing is the destruction of belief because seeing is knowing. And now we know. Right. That society is stopped. Reminds me of a uh, lecture that I is actually on YouTube. Uh, he's deceased now. He died in, in 2012. A very, very, very famous monk in uh, Udon Thani. I knew him personally when I was there, and the whole city was a wreck at his funeral. You could, for two days, get nowhere in that city. Everything was just blocked because everybody was trying to get to the Watt for his funeral. Mm. Interesting. What was his name? Uh, uh, um, Achan Mahaboa. Ajahn Mahaboa, okay. Yeah, there's more than one Mahaboas. That's the important thing. There's not just one. These Pali names are common, but guess what? I know five different Damaratos. <laughs> 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 One's an American who lives in Australia, or he did at one time. But anyway, back to the, uh, uh, the point. Uh, and that is, is that he gave this talk, or he gave this lecture of do Arahats cry, or why would an Arahat cry? And his answer was basically an hour-long discussion in Thai language that had various really humorous things in it that he was expressing this nabita, this disillusionment, this falling apart, this recognition that, hey, man, you're living in a pile of crap. Don't you see that? <laughs> <laughs> And this is what they also mean by uh, you. You probably heard uh, expressions like foam or bubbles, that your reality is nothing but uh, fascination with bubbles that pop immediately. That that all of our uh, understanding is just because we're watching a sea foam, right? And we're thinking that sea foam is solid. It's not solid at all. That all is not solid. Everything. Now, many people will understand this as sort of a magical thinking. Oh, that means that you can see that reality itself is not solid. Is not where we're going with this. Okay. This is not matrix. Not in that kind of sense. There are, in fact, no babies or adult people hooked up to a bunch of equipment that is having life juice or anything else siphoned off of them so that some computer can operate a simulation. Especially when that simulation has to do inside the simulation, if you take a pill, you can wake up to the fact that you're laying in a cocoon being sucked <laughs> dry. You know the movie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that is not what we mean 
by this disillusionment that the people in the simulation wake up to the fact that they're in a cocoon, they're a cocooned baby that is being sucked dry by some malevolent force. Actually, the reality is, is to wake up to realize, hey, man, you are not some stupid baby that's being hooked up to some machine and sucked dry for your whole life. This society really doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> society does not exist. There is no machine that you're hooked up to. That, that, in fact, if this is a simulation, you're the guy who's writing the simulation, right? What simulation? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Write your own simulation. But we have to get through this, um, this feeling of real emptiness, that nothing really is there. And back to Ajahn Mahaboa, one of the things that he said, I know it's in Thai language and it's okay to say it in Thai, but in English it's quite rude to say that, hey, your civilization is a toilet full of shit. Well, <laughs> and that's why an Arahat can cry. It's because here his whole family and everybody around him and the whole society is living in a toilet shut and nobody's bothered to clean themselves up and dust themselves off and get out of their toilet. <laughs> it's strong, but sometimes we need strong words to wake us up out of our dream state. <laughs> ah, those are strong words only when we don't see the shit. Once we see that we're living in a toilet of shit, that's a very good analogy. Right. <laughs> it's just reality as it is yeah that's the reality the reality as it is 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 that the way that humans live their lives is painfully painful right and we make it and more it, painful and we it has make to be. it more painful by teaching our children to make pain yeah because we think that no pain no gain and the question is, why would we want to gain anything? <laughs> why can't we be satisfied with what we have? Why should I be in pain to gain? All I have to do is remember that I don't have to gain anything, that I'm already okay. Right. Right in this very moment, everything is beautiful. And that's when we can settle down, the mind gets really quiet. We can really begin to see what's going on. And what we see is a polished jungle. <laughs> and what is that polished shit? It's my past. And why is it a polished shit? It's because it's past already. It's dead now. Your past has one quality to it, and that is that it's dead meat and it smells like it. And here we are valuing our past putting letters after our names to show what our past was. Right. Hmm. So that's the best part in the video, to wake up to that. To wake up to that your reality is a pile of shit that you've been creating because you've been creating it out of the pile of shit that you've been carrying around. Right. <laughs> and all we need to do now is what's the next item on the list. So where does the suit go from here? Uh, it says uh, Virago, um, dispassion. Ah, which is another way of looking at it as renunciation. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, this is real renunciation, not the kind of renunciation that's known as vows like wedding vows or vows of silence or whatever like that, which is basically vows of I will be a good boy based upon this set of old rules. Mm-hmm. Right? Viraga is actually, no, I'm not going to be a good boy because I'm following old rules. I'm going to be a good boy by getting out of the toilet of old rules. Becoming dispassionate to that stuff to kind of, okay, so uh, dispassion is another way, the other, other poly words, um, enunciation. This would be the set 16 of Anapanasati of renunciation or throwing it back. One of the ways that we can practice this in a big way is in reality, but in a very, very tiny, minute way, we can begin to understand that it has to do with atamayata. Now that I see that all that stuff is, in fact, maya, it's a toilet full of shit. Now we viraga is that, oh, well, I'm just not going to have anything to do with that anymore. I've become completely dispassionate. In other words, I don't need to clean up that toilet of shit. Mm-hmm. I don't have to clean it up. I can become completely dispassionate to it and forget about it altogether. Right. <clears throat> and so what's the next one? I think we're getting pretty close to the end now. What numbers have we gone through? Uh, I'm not, it's not numbered, so I don't know. But next <laughs> is uh, Vimuti. It's freedom. <gasps> Imagine that. Only by giving a no-shit attitude can you be free from it. Mm. Once you say, my job is done here, now we can get up and walk off. Now we have the freedom, the vimuti. Yes, so that's the final. That's the end result. That should be well, number 12. It, it, has, it, has one, it has one, it's, it says uh, knowledge of ending. Uh, uh-huh. Yum, yum, uh Yampisa, Tom, Bikavi, Kaios, I don't actually know where where that one is. I got to hand it to you. You are an excellent butcher. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Never mind. Yeah. So it's so it's knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge of ending uh, is the the one that sort of. Yeah. Before before freedom. Um, ah, which is again back to what a relief it is. The knowledge is this is over. Right. Now that I have really seen what a pile of shit I've created, I don't have to make it pretty anymore. Right. <laughs> I can just ignore it altogether. <laughs> and that's the knowledge and vision of release. Mm-hmm. The knowledge that I am free from that. Right. Okay, so yes, that's all in there. I'm surprised. I don't know this particular sutta, but it certainly fits with other suttas in all of these respects. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting sutta. That's why I like wanted to talk about it because I I hadn't really seen this list anywhere, and it and even the, I heard I read a little commentary on it, and they said it's a very you know interesting, important uh, sutta, but it's the only one where this list is mentioned. Uh, exactly uh, like this, but like you said, it it kind of gets at this uh, the flexibility of the language too. I, I think it's interesting how you pointed out that you know these things are are conditioning one another, and it's not like the dominoes that it's just you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting to see the especially I thought the 
the the uh, pity and the sukha and the tranquility and their sort of you know relationship together uh, there. So I don't know. I, I I liked it anyways when I read it and wanted to ask you about it. So okay. Well <laughs> now we you understand it. it a whole lot better, huh? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it also fits out of oh yeah, that's how the mind works. I can begin to see how all of this stuff fits together. Exactly. So understanding yeah. it in that way will be an enormous tool for you in the future. So congratulations, right. Joe. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we have anything more with this? No, nothing really. Okay, what's the last few lines of the sutta? Um, it, it gives kind of an, an analogy at the at the end of it. Um, let me let me go to scroll to the bottom. Should I read the analogy? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Just as monks, when rain descends heavily upon some mountaintop, the water flows down along the slope and fills the clefts, gullies, and creeks, these being filled up with the pools, these being filled up with the ponds, these being filled up with the streams, uh, etc. In the same mm -hmm. way, ignorance is a supporting condition for combo formations, combo formations. It goes through the, the whole list of the, the whole thing again. Uh, oh, no, okay, so now... And disenchantment is supporting yeah, yeah. Just it just and then emancipation is a supporting condition for the knowledge of the destruction of the kinkers. All right, so, so that means now we've got a river. Now we've got a real river. That's the uh, that's the freedom, because the river could go any place it wants to. You see the uh, the mountain gullies, uh, uh, the streams in the mountain gullies have to follow the gully. They don't have any choice. Right. They've got to follow the path. They've got to go in the same direction that the old water went last time. Right. Okay. But once we've got a mighty river going, the river can go where it wants to go. And how does it do that? Basically by flooding its banks, which right. means to get rid of the boundaries which are the Silabata Paramasa. The Silabata Paramasa then becomes the ridges of the mountains and the valleys and, and whatnot like that, which defines how we have to do things. What, what is Silabata Paramasa? Attachments to rites, rules, and rituals. Okay. Or attachment to the lay of the land. Or the attachment to so in our analogy going on that when the river gets uh, mighty, the lay of the land is no longer important. Then, in fact, the lay of the land often gets washed right away. <laughs> and so that analogy, that's a very good analogy for the Buddha to use, but I imagine that it would be lost on a lot of people, all of these issues about the crevices and, and that. But as the water collects together, the boundaries can be broken. Right. And, and so it's also it maybe like a like a familiarity there of like, you know, you because you, you talk about this often of learning how to uh, be familiar with like uh, jhana and uh, this familiarity and remembering and building the base camp uh, so that you mm -hmm. can just be comfortable there and remember how to get how to get there again. <laughs> exactly over and over again. Exactly correct. That's yep. and and in a way you can see how simple the teachings of the Buddha are. But when we start to inspect closer what he's talking about, it brings up a huge variety of stuff. 
And so we look at the details, but the best thing is to recognize it all fits right back together. Right. Because after all, it's just a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and here we thought it, we had something. Oh, enlightenment? Yeah, enlightenment is just a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> we can do just quite well without it, you know? Everything's just fine right now. <laughs> Everything's just fine right now. Exactly so. Well, Joe, this has been a really great talk. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so thank much you for so asking. Much. Thank you for explaining so so much. And yeah, it's so much clearer when I can get your input and stuff. And yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, by sharing this stuff, it actually helps people uh, or teaches people how to read the suttas. That just telling somebody, oh, you got to go read the suttas is not going to be so helpful until we teach them a bit of the language that the sutras are in. Right, exactly. Eventually, maybe someday we'll have whole teams of scholars together like they have at the universities in Thailand that are actually still trying to put together yet more complete definitions and complete translations of the Pali into the Thai. They've already got five or six, <laughs> but that, but they keep doing that. And in fact, Bhikkhu Buddhadasa had a major impact upon that crowd mm. of changing their minds about how to translate to Pali and whatnot like that. So unfortunately in that regard, Thailand is at least dozens of years, if not centuries ahead of the U.S. and the English language group. Mm. And so being able to understand and read the Pali for itself is what each individual needs to do until we do get a hold of some decent translations. Right. And so until then, let's use the English translations only to find our way through the sutras. And after that, we've got to get yeah. out of that vehicle of English language and get into the Pali, get into the yeah. dirt, <laughs> yeah. get into the woods and check out the terrain. So thank you so much for doing that with me today. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I hope your your neck uh, starts to starts to heal and surprise yeah. enough. I haven't had to hold it one time today. I haven't had to do this uh, well, actually within our this hour. So I've been pretty yeah. good this hour. Oh great, that's good. <laughs> okay, well have a good continuation. Thank you so much, Joe. We'll see you. Bye bye. Bye-bye.